Welcome everybody to The Future Belongs to Creators. This is a show about the creator economy and all things related to creators. Today, we're going to be talking about sponsorships. We're going to be talking about how to be successful with them. And we have an expert here to help us with this. Justin Moore at Creator Wizard is a brand sponsorship coach. And he's going to help tell us how you can be successful with brand sponsorships. What goes into making one run well? get in, you know, all the money that you can from them maybe and give us a bunch of advice. So welcome, <laughs> Justin. Thanks for having me. Stoked to be here. We're also joined by Miguel. Unfortunately, not Haley today, but that's right. Miguel is here and I'm sure we'll have a lot of great questions about sponsorships as well from all the many that you've done. Right, Miguel? Yeah. Uh, on my many social medias that I do. Is it <laughs> medias? That's it? I don't, I'm already, I already screwed Sure. It. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. All right. First segment of the show is our Have You Heard, where we're going to call out some of the news and happenings around the creator space. Miguel, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I do. Great. So mine is going to be about a little company called Snapchat. You may have heard of it. So uh, Snapchat is going to be introducing revenue sharing on ads in creator stories. I know that obviously YouTube already does that. I think the last time I looked in on this, I think YouTube shares something like 55% of their revenues with the the creators who create the content on their platform. So now that Snapchat's kind of joining in on this and having revenue sharing on ads for creator stories. So I guess they're trying to kind of get in the game a little bit to get some content flowing through their platform. So that's kind of cool. I know Snapchat is the one that started the whole thing with yeah. stories and stuff. So mm -hmm. it seems kind of a late move for them, but I'm glad they're doing it and maybe getting some money in creators' pockets. So. Honestly, though, I wonder if this is something that Instagram will also end up copying from Snapchat. Because mm. right now, I don't believe you earn money from any ads on Instagram. Nope. They, mm -hmm. I think they have a re do they have a Reels fund on Instagram. Do they copy TikTok on that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically like Instagram and Facebook platforms in general have a 100% take rate. The only way you basically you can monetize on those platforms is sponsorships and other, you know, directly monetizing your influence to your followers and things. So, yeah, I mean, this is like a major shift. There was no there were no creator funds like there is on TikTok and things like that, like, <laughs> you know, like before. But it's like as time goes on, you know, people are getting more and more frustrated, like, hey, we're building your platforms. You're making billions of dollars of ad revenue and we're not really making any money off of it. So I think that's why you're starting to see a lot of this, these types of developments. And like as soon as one company starts doing it, the rest yeah. sort of feel the need to to keep up, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I guess it's a race to see who does it best. And I mean, they can only compete for so long. I, when I was doing research on this, I was very surprised. Maybe you guys already know this, but I was very surprised to find out that the way that TikTok shares money I guess not shares money, but gives money to creators is they have a, a their pool is $200 million. And that $200 million is like a set chunk of money that they have set aside that they divide amongst their platform. So whoever gets the most views gets the bigger chunk of that. And, but it's mm -hmm. like a set thing. So if I'm doing the math right, that means that the more unique viewers on TikTok, the smaller and smaller each viewer gets for a creator because mm -hmm. there's it's being divided by a larger number, right? Yeah. To contrast with something like YouTube, which doesn't do it this way. And I think they've given out something like $16 billion last year just in, to, to creators. So mm -hmm. juxtaposed with $200 million sort of like <laughs> potluck or whatever you want to call that. Yeah. TikTok doesn't seem like they're actually really a, a great space for creators, especially yeah. the bigger it gets, the worse it is for creators, it seems, which is kind of... Hmm. 
I didn't like that. Yeah. Hank, Hank Green actually released a video called So TikTok Sucks. And it was it was, it was all about this. And he, he talked about that exact issue. And the, the the hair I would split with YouTube, which is a little bit different. I think it's a challenge is that, you know, with a YouTube video, there is a ad that rolls before that specific video. But on TikTok, it's not like that. You're just swiping your for you page and it's an ad that's in between. It's not like you there's a pre-roll ad or something on, on your TikTok. So it's tough. It's it, you know, it definitely is. I've always looked at YouTube as our home base. We, we started on YouTube. We've been on YouTube for over 10 years. And it's like it always has kind of been our home base because of this very fact. It's like it's the most robust and reliable monetization platform for creators still to this day, even a decade later. I, I, I truly believe that. And Justin, I know you're, you you brought along your own news item that is also related to sort of similar. Do you want to go into yours now? Yeah, I did. So Isaiah released what they called uh, their 2022 State of Influencer Earnings Report, which was kind of interesting. And basically, they were looking at how much people are, are charging for different posts, where people are earning the most money. And YouTube and TikTok came out ahead. They basically said that YouTube, um, you know, on average, people are charging $4,490 for YouTube integrations and $3,500 for TikTok. And then it like goes down Pinterest, Instagram stories and so on. Um, I was interested in this article primarily because Instagram wasn't shown as like, oh, one of the primary places that people are making money. But at least in my experience on the ground, working with like hundreds of creators, even my wife and I personally, if you are in a content vertical where you were talking about consumer brands is like uh, an obvious fit, Instagram is almost always going to be need to be part of the activation. Well, I wanted to bring this up primarily because uh, creators always ask me, like, what, where do I need to be? Like, what what platforms are mandatory if I want to work with brands? Mm. And I have a, a very simple two-question test that, that you should use as a creator to ask yourself of like, okay, do I need to be on this platform? And the first one is, where are your followers starting to spend more time? If your followers are saying in the comments, you're DMing you, hey, are you not on Snapchat? Are you on TikTok or Wattpad or whatever? I'm dreading when my, my audience starts saying, where's your TikTok account? I know it's going to happen, but I'm just holding off as long as I can. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So that's the one question. If you're starting to get this question asked over and over. And then the second one is, are the brands that you want to partner with starting to sponsor creators on that platform? Those are the only two questions that matter. And if you are answering yes to those platform, like you, you, you basically have to have a presence there. That's it. I mean, we're already getting into great advice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we all know how much Charlie loved doing YouTube shorts. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about that. Hey, I made a reel the other day. Made my first reel. So, you know, Ooh, this, this old boom. lady's keeping up with the times. Okay. There all right. we go. Yeah. And the reel was actually to promote, which is going to be my news item, which is we are still running our 2022 State of the Creator Economy survey. I'm going to bring it up on screen right now. It's a link. It is convertk.it slash survey hyphen 2022. If you're a creator of any type, of any level, please go fill it out because we're trying to collect like responses from as many creators as possible. And that just, I promise you, it's gonna be worth your time because the results at the end are going to be fascinating. Some early like tidbits that I have for you, one as like a, well, I mean, who's surprised, but the platform voted as the one that creators least enjoy creating on (laughs) so far as Facebook. So we'll see if that stays true, but so far that's what's happening. And then as for like the top struggle that creators faced in 2021, burnout is right now coming out on top. And we dig into a little that more in the survey about burnout and the reasons behind it and how people have been overcoming it. So yeah, please take the time. We've heard that it's a really good chance to reflect on your business and just like check in with where you're at. So if you haven't filled it out yet, do it and tell your creator friends too as well. Thank you very much. I appreciate you 
all right, I'll stop pitching that now and we can get on with our actual topic of helping people run successful sponsorships. Justin, maybe we should start by like, I don't know, you've worked with so many creators on sponsorships and like coaching them through it. What are some of the most common mistakes you see creators making in brand sponsorships? Oh my gosh, I I have, where to start? Where to start, Charlie? (laughs) So I would say first and foremost, um, a very easy low hanging fruit type thing that you can do as a creator is to always ask the brand what the goal of the campaign is. Okay. I thought you were going to say budget. And then you said goal. And I'm like, I like that. I like that. I mean, that is one of them. I could definitely talk about that for sure. Because obviously, yes, ask budget every time, obviously, because you never know. They might be willing to pay you more than you were actually going to charge them. Right. So and sometimes they'll just straight up tell you. Right. But when it comes to the goal of the campaign, the reason that I believe this is the most critical thing is because your pricing should change based on what the brand's goal is. And let me let me explain. Mm. So there's three main campaign goal types that pretty much every brand deal will have. The first is a conversion focused campaign, right? So this is where the brand wants to drive some sort of very specific action, coupon redemptions, downloads on the app, sales, you know, click through rate, you know, tracking link, et cetera. The second is content repurposing the focus. So basically the whole goal of the campaign is for the brand to actually repurpose your content on their social platforms or, you know, for using it for paid ads and so on. And then the third campaign goal type is brand awareness. This is where the metrics are squishiest, right? It's like, oh, impressions or engagement or comments. That's the goal. We just want to spread the word. (laughs) That's what they say, right? And so, like I said, your pricing should change based on that. Because let's say, for example, that the brand says, hey, you know what? Actually, what we're most excited about is repurposing this content, using it for ads and things like that. And so your proposal to them should not be, okay, one Instagram post and one you know Instagram story. No, it's like, okay, well now, now, now that I know that, I can actually create five pieces of content for you that I don't even post on my platform. And you can throw them into the black box of the Facebook or Instagram you know, ad ecosystem and, and use them for, for paid ads. And so like, that's gonna be so much more exciting to the brand than just, You know, yeah, you can put, yeah, you could still post on your platform. That could still be part of the deal, but there's all these other things, benefits that you can provide to them. And like, oh, guess what? By the way, now, if you're offering them these five, 10 other assets, exclusive assets, now your rate is divorced from how many followers you have. (laughs) It doesn't matter at that point. Right. And so like, like, that's just like a quick little tip I can give is like, if you're not asking the brand what their goal is, then you're losing out on a ton of other money that you can essentially make. And which is the like campaign goal type that you can charge the most for? So it's absolutely brand awareness. So I have a I have a course where I where I go into this in, in a lot of detail, but there's different price sensitivities based on those goals. So for example, the price sensitivity of the brand for a conversion focused campaign is the highest, right? So they have the highest price sensitivity because they're gonna be not willing to negotiate very much with you because they're beholden to some very specific set of, of mm. metrics, right? They're like, they know, okay, if, they're, if we're gonna hire Charlie, we're gonna, you know, hopefully down, you know, uh, generate 100 trial signups or something, right? And we know that a trial signup is worth $10. Let's say their LTV for their brand. And so they're going to at most be willing to pay you $1,000. That's it. They're not going to be willing to pay you more because they have these very specific acquisition mm. metrics that they're beholden to. And so you're going to like drive yourself crazy trying to negotiate with brands where that's the gold type because they're just not going to go any higher, right? With content repurposing, I call it medium price sensitivity because they're still probably beholden to some metrics, but they understand that like you actually creating content for them, that's worth something. They have to pay you for that. With brand awareness, that that's the most that you can negotiate because they're not held to these like very strict metrics internally of how they compensate creators. And so that's where you can start making a lot of money on your brand deals when you understand like that they just kind of want to spread the word. That's so interesting because if you had asked me to guess, which you didn't, but I'm going to tell you what I would have guessed anyway, I would have said the opposite mm-hmm. because 
because the conversion one can like directly tie to ROI. So people will be more interested in like paying for that. But everything you just said makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, damn, okay, there's probably a few brand deals that I've screwed up in the past <laughs> from approaching that wrong. One thing I will say though, that I've definitely done that you'll probably be proud of me for okay. is if a brand wants to use my content on their own platforms, as well as me posting it, I charge way more for that because it's like licensing, right? They're licensing exactly the use of my content, the use of my face, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially, and like my own reputation for their own platforms. Um, and I've always charged extra. 100%. I'll give you a quick tip for anyone listening. Um, I have a YouTube video about this. So what um, <clears throat> Charlie's describing is called whitelisting or licensing. So there's two different things. Mm. So you can split hairs here. So whitelisting is where the brand will actually amplify the native posts that you make on your page. Mm-hmm. So if you make an Instagram post or something, you will grant them access to the back end of your Facebook or your Instagram to actually put additional dollars behind it to amplify it to more than just your audience. They can basically say, hey, I want to access, you know, 18 to 35 year old men and women living in the U.S., wherever. But and then so that's going to go out to other audiences. And so that's whitelisting. And then licensing, like you discussed, is that you actually give them the raw file or whatever, and they can use use it for paid ads on their social accounts or the brand's social handles, essentially. So it's slightly different. And so my rule of thumb, again, I have a whole video about this on my channel, but it's essentially for whitelisting. It's 25 percent of the base deal size Ooh, per month. I'm taking notes. So let's say for easy <laughs> math, if the content creation that you're going to, you know, cost that you're going to give them is, let's say, a thousand dollars to make the content, then you should be charging them 250 additional dollars per 30 day period. So let's say they want it for 60 days of whitelisting, then the deal size is going to be $1,500 total. Um, and so the you can start to see the more the higher that you charge for your base deal deal sizes, like this is going to explode your rate very quickly, you know? And so there's different calculations for exclusivity. Also, we can get into that. But it's like, these are the things that you need to start thinking about as a creator, because there is so much value in the content that you're creating for brands. And you should not just be giving the kitchen sink away for free. Amen to that. Okay, that's like so much great detail about just one (laughs) common mistake that creators make. What about some more? What other issues do you see creators having? The other thing that I see happening all the time is creators negotiate against themselves. So how this manifests is the brand will reach out and they say, oh, um, we'd love to partner with you. Like, how much do you charge (laughs) or how much is this going to be for this? And creators will say things like this all the time. They'll say, well, I usually charge X. But I'd be more than happy to do this for X minus Y, (laughs) right? Like, just shut up. You give them your rate and say nothing. (laughs) You literally just shut up. I think that this is (laughs) the hardest thing for creators to do is just like lean into the silence when you give your rate. You literally just have to let the brand respond. And I know it's exciting, especially if it's a brand who, you know, it's a dream brand. You really want to work with them. But you just have to puff your chest up. Give them your rate and let them respond. That's one of the hardest things to do that I've learned. When I got into this making content for creators, I I did, really did not think that this was like a thing. But I have I have done by this time thousands of negotiations through my influencer agency as well as my wife and I. My wife and I have made over three million dollars working with brands over the last number of years. This is like a, I'm very transparent about that. I talk about that a lot, and it's not like to like flex or anything. It's more just to like understand, help people illustrate how much money you can actually make with brands. If you educate yourself when it comes to negotiations, get better. So many creators have told me like, oh, I'm just not a good negotiator. I just never will be. I just want to focus on content. Like I just have to do this, keep the lights on. And I'm here to tell you, like, even if you educate yourself a little bit about how to get better with this kind of stuff, you can make so much money. And I call it like passion freedom, Hmm. right? If you can educate yourself on, I knew you would like that, Charlie, that term. Like it, it is a, uh, a term that like basically enables you to be able to focus on your craft if you can kind of 
focus a little bit of energy on like getting better at these kind of businessy type things. Yeah, it's like one of the realities of being a creator or like trying to earn a living as a creator is you got to realize that you're a business now. And so you got to learn about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked at length on this podcast about uh, not selling yourself short as a creator. And I feel mm -hmm. like we're constantly trying to, like we're already making excuses before the conversation has begun. You know, we're always on the defensive as creators, mm -hmm. defending the fact that this is our profession or that this is this is the field in which we make our money. Uh, yep. So you're already explaining something and nobody's even asked you to. Yep. You're, you're already given the qualifier before yeah. anybody has said anything at all. So mm -hmm. I'm really glad that you said that. Yeah. And the, the other, the third thing I would say is I think that the biggest tendency that we have as creators is to, we're very uh, reactive. So when a brand says, hey, this is what we're thinking, you know, we want to do one YouTube video or one TikTok or one Instagram post, creators will just say, okay, here's how much I charge, 1500 bucks, whatever. Right. But you are not beholden to what the brand is asking you. This is one of the things I teach. It's like you can come back to them and say, oh, OK, so that's that's so interesting. I'm so glad you're interested in doing this. I actually have a couple different options that I'd like to propose to you. Here's a couple different packages. Right. So, yeah, package one is this thing you're asking for, you know, one post, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's actually package two where I can do twice the posts. I can do twice the usage. I can do, you know, exclusivity for a little bit longer. And then package three is actually going to be five posts. Right. It's not linear. It's not going to be four posts. It's going to be right. And so it's like what this does, it's a concept called price anchoring, where essentially you will help draw them towards these higher packages, help illustrate how you can actually turn this into a more protracted partnership where you're bringing heightened value to the brand. It's not a transaction. Right. And also illustrate to them that you are interested in, in forging kind of a mutually beneficial longer term partnership. Because like what I have found is that creators I joke that they fire themselves from their nine to five job every single month. They do a deal with the brand and then they literally never talk to them again. It's like, like, really? Like, seriously, you know how, how much easier it is to convince a brand that you've already worked with to hire you again? It's so much easier than having to constantly get back on that hustle and find your next deal. Right. And so one thing that I would absolutely encourage every creator to do is not just respond to what the brand is asking you. You can actually go out and pitch other things that they didn't even ask you for, because now all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, this creator is like professional like they're they're coming back with all these different options that we didn't even consider and you know you never know here's another reason why that's very important is that most brands are almost always working with multiple creators on a deal mm -hmm. right so it's not just you right and so what you have done by giving them these packages is let's say they were going to work with 10 other creators and here you are proposing that you can do two four or five other five posts all of a sudden they're like wow if I hire Charlie, I don't have to deal with four other creators. <laughs> I could just hire her one contract, one email thread, right? One round of revisions with Charlie. I don't have to deal with these other people. So you, in essence, kind of <laughs> upselling yourself and making the brand's life easier. So there's so many different things that you accomplish by doing something as simple as offering them a little flexibility in, in the uh, deliverables for the campaign. And with that side of things is why it's really important to ask the goal first, right? Oh, 100%. Because you can't like show them how you're going to be valuable if you don't know what what is valuable to them about this partnership. So mm -hmm. learning about the goal lets you like change the language of how you totally. talk about what you're offering. I do that. I, do, I like to do that a lot. Oh my gosh. And I've also honestly turned down partnerships when I've noticed that their goal isn't something that I would be like excited to provide them. Mm -hmm. If all they care about is a click and they do not see the value in the like brand alignment and brand awareness that I'd be bringing, 
then I'm like, well, maybe this isn't the right fit for us because we're both just going to be mad about it. hundred <laughs> percent. Exactly. Why, why set yourself up for failure if you, mm-hmm. unless you know that. You know what comes to mind as well about this is you're also, instead of creating one instance where you have a chance to kind of audition your worth for somebody, you're now creating two or five things that you can point to where you can say, I brought value to you and I had more than one shot to do it. Because let's say you do one post and it doesn't go that great. Well, then they only have one data point to be like, well, this person Mm -hmm. actually didn't help us out. Mm -hmm. Maybe this isn't the person we want to power partner with next time. Because- Sometimes the work that we do doesn't always work out the way that we want it to. But if now I'm contractually obligated to make five posts and three of those are like amazing and two or whatever, I got three, I got five tries. 100%. And there's two other ways in which you can uh, educate the brands about this piece. The first one is drawing the analogy around Facebook ads or ads in general for their paid media strategy is that you never just put one piece of creative. You don't know, like oftentimes you don't know what's going to be successful. And so you can draw the parallel and say, hey, like doing just one data point and one piece of content with me, there's so many variables that could lead to the outcome and success of this piece. Like it's actually similar. Like we actually need to draw this partnership out, have multiple shots, like you said, to be able to really discern that the overall success of the partnership, because you don't really know which piece of content is going to do well. The other advantage to like having multiple touch points is that you can actually say to them, like if we do a partnership over six months or a year or something, we can actually meet quarterly or every two months or something to update the brief and try different calls to action, try different messaging. Oh, now it's a spring promotion. Now it's a summer promotion. Let's let's change up the feature or benefit that we're highlighting, right? So you illustrate to the brand that you're willing to like work with them on like trying the messaging and trying to, you know, go looking at the comments on your first post and be like, oh, like people actually wanted to know more about this thing. Let's talk about that in the, in the next piece of content. So once you have these conversations with the brands, they'll all of a sudden realize like, wow, this creator is really easy to work with and they're really motivated to ensure that this partnership is successful. Because believe me, most creators aren't willing to do that. I love that. Maybe something that would be really useful to hear from you, Justin, is what does an ideal process look like for brand sponsorships? Like, let's say, and I'm sure this hardly ever happens, that everything goes perfectly. But in the perfect world where everything goes well, what are the pointers that we can look at in the process of, you know, doing a brand sponsorship to know that, okay, that one went great. Everyone got value from this. Mm. We did all the right things. What would that look like? Yeah. And so, I mean, I think to back up a little bit, kind of one of the things that you said is like, it's very, very critical that you are honest with yourself that this is going to be a good fit for your audience. Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, trust is a very, it takes a long time to earn and very quick. It's very something very quick to lose. True. And so if you have kind of a fast money mindset when it comes to working with brands and sponsors and things like that, it's going to be very difficult for you to maintain an intimate connection with your audience as well as one with brands. And so uh, an ideal relationship always comes down, down to like being honest is, is this something that is going to be useful to my audience? Because at the end of the day, it's not about you, really. It's not about the brand, really. It's about is this something that will solve a problem for my audience or something that will be helpful to them? Speaking of like a conversion focused campaign, brand awareness type thing. And so that's absolutely critical because if you miss that mark, then the whole sponsorship is going to tank. It's not going to do well. People are going to see through this. Oh, it's a money grab and so on. Mm-hmm. So that's the very first and most important foundational element of any good sponsorship is like having an audience first mindset when it comes to like whatever like sponsors that you're that you're partnering with. The other thing that I would say is that I've done literally hundreds of deals and almost without exception, the creators who are responsive, it's almost always a proxy for whether the sponsorship will be a success. And let me qualify this. So 
it, like, it almost starts with how quickly you respond to an initial email from a brand. Because if it takes you two to three days to respond to an initial inquiry from a brand, you are teleporting to the brand that every time they have to email you about anything related to the deal, it's going to take two to three days, days to hear back from you. And that's just not going to cut it for a lot of deals that are very timely. And so you would, well, you think like, oh, well, yeah, but if I get the deal, I'll be more responsive. But they don't know that. <laughs> they don't know that because of ba basically what you've illustrated to them on that initial email. And so it's very critical because oftentimes, like I look back at some of the threads that I've, you know, we've done for de deals. Sometimes there'll be 70, 80 emails over the entire course of a sponsorship, right? From the initial outreach, concepting, production green light, revisions, invoicing, vendor paperwork, all this stuff that sometimes comes with sponsorships. Like it's a lot of back and forth. And so if you're not willing to be responsive, like it's going to be very hard to have for you to walk away from that deal with brand feeling like, oh, this was a successful sponsorship, you know? And so it's kind of a not something that's often discussed, but it's like a really critical element to like whether the brand's going to hire you again or not. And so that that's something that I, I think of quite a bit. And then I would say kind of the the last element here about an ideal sponsorship is like flexibility, right? Understanding that things come up that aren't anticipated, right? Sometimes like that thing wasn't like included in the contract or like the brand asked you for like one more revision than was actually contracted or something, right? And so rather than having this like very like, you know, strict mindset about like, oh, well, it wasn't in the agreement, you know, this kind of thing. It's like, no, like maybe you help the brand out here. Believe me, they're going to remember that, right? Maybe they are asking for something that's a little weird, but it's like, okay, it's not, not a huge deal. I'll do a 10 second vo voiceover for to like get them to like say something slightly, you know, like how they want it and how their brand manager or their legal team wanted it or something. It's like understanding like this is a long game. Right. Because that contact that you have in this space, they're going to move on to another agency in two years or they're going to move into a different uh, position of power. And, they, and believe me, they're going to remember that they're going to remember that you helped them out in a pinch. So just having this like understanding of like flexibility, I think, can be very powerful. I feel like there was two things in there that I you accidentally called me out on without okay. realizing <laughs> the responding to emails in, in a timely manner is not my strong suit. But I, I do think like as I'm critiquing myself. The emails that I take a long time to get back to are the sponsorships I'm not excited about mm. and that ultimately end up being not a good fit anyway. Like if the right brand comes in my inbox and I'm checking my emails and see it, that's the one that I'm going to want to reply to mm. quickly, you know? So maybe I'll let myself a little bit off the hook there. Yeah. But the flexibility piece is one that I feel like I've struggled with in the past. I just feel like brands on the whole don't treat creators very well when it comes to the like... The business side of a deal, you know, like putting a creator, an independent creator on a like a net 30, net 60, like time frame that you're going to pay an invoice in, I just think is unacceptable. Mm. Like the creator has is put out the content and like 30 days after you got all that value from them, you're going to pay them maybe 60 days, maybe 90 days. I've heard of creators like getting paid like a year later mm -hmm. for something that they did because they just like get lost in the system and it's not a priority for the brand to- That's awful pay their invoice, you know? Yeah. And so that's been like a, a point that I've been probably annoying about to brands <laughs> in the past because I've sort of approached my brand sponsorships like I do design work. And um, I don't know. I think what I'm hearing from you, Justin, is that maybe I'm hurting my future success by being quite so sticky about this point. And it's like, I don't know. I do like to take a principled stand, but also mm. I can wait 30 days. I'm lucky enough that... I like can, but I just like, I want 
brands to be better about yeah. this. <laughs> okay, I have I have two un- mindset shifts for you, Charlie, about this. Okay? okay, please hit me with them. The first one is that uh, I understand the principled stand and things like that. Mm-hmm. But no, the first one is that it is going to permanently be an uphill battle trying to change giant brands accounting procedures. I've been doing this 10 years and it's like educating them. They'll listen to you. But at the end of the day, you're a vendor as well as like the same as anyone, the same as the cafeteria people, the same as the, you know, people bringing in uniforms for the, you know, it's like literally like for these giant companies, giant agencies, creators are going to be vendors. That's just the way it is. And I don't, I, I completely agree with you. It's not, it's very difficult for independent creators to like do that. But having that mindset of like understanding that this is just the way things are. And it's like unlikely that those are going to be changed. I think there's better battles to be fought. That's like my, my, my one stance on that. The second thing is that there are solutions out there that are cropping up that will do invoice factoring for you or invoice financing. So you basically pay them a couple percent and they'll pay you in 24 hours. So there's solutions out there. If that's like really is a big deal for you, you don't like fight the brand on that. You just go and you like collect it from this other company who will do who will you just use the service. The other reason that I think this is important to talk about is that let's very quickly talk about. So in my course, I teach something called a sponsorship pipeline. Okay, because oftentimes what happens is that uh, creators will all of a sudden be like, oh, crap, like I don't have I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent or my bills next month, especially if you were you know, sponsorships is a major portion of your income. So let's talk about how how long it takes real quickly to actually get that money in your bank account. So let's say you're actually pitching a brand. Okay, maybe that takes two, three, four weeks to actually hook a brand, right? Get them on the hook to actually want to work with you. Then it's going to take maybe two weeks to actually get the concept approved, right? Get the contract, uh, everything signed. Then they're going to green light you for production. Maybe that's going to take two to three weeks to actually to turn around the content. Then it's going to go into the feedback round, which may be two, three weeks a month for them to actually get back to you with revisions. Then you have to revise the content that maybe takes a week. Then they have to approve it again. There's another feedback round to actually, you know, get it finalized. Then maybe they don't want you to post for another two weeks because they want it to align with other things they're posting. Then you post the content. Then you wait. 30 to 60 to 90 days to actually get paid. So how long is that? That's maybe worst case scenario, four or five months before you're actually getting paid. So what I teach in my course is that you have to have brands at every stage of that process all the time, right? You have to be tracking this in a CRM. You have to be looking at this as a business as a creator. And so you have brands that you're pitching, you have brands that you're nurturing, you have brands that you're, you know, negotiating with, you have have them at all these different stages so that you're always hitting money. You're always having like money hitting your bank account at any time. And if you really truly look at this like a business, you can make so much money from sponsorships, but it takes having a systematic approach to doing this. And so basically what I'm telling you, Charlie, is that my wife and I don't sweat about any of this stuff. We don't sweat about payment terms. We don't sweat about any of that stuff because we're always having money hitting from some deal at some point during the month. Yeah, I mean, I'm called out here. I called myself out (laughs) and I feel like (laughs) this was all stuff I needed to hear and hopefully that a lot of other creators needed to hear as well. Come on, Charlie. Come on. I am sorry for all the brands that I've worked with. (laughs) I want to sneak something in here real quick. And uh, I want to make sure that we're uh, looking at all the perspectives from all possible listeners. And I know some people might be listening to this and thinking brand deals. Okay, that's like that's like rounding third base. I haven't even swung the bat yet. So if someone listening to you is aspiring to do all these things, Mm. is there anything, any kind of advice, Justin, since you've been doing this for a decade or longer, that you would give to an aspiring creator trying to get to the point where they can start courting brands for sponsorships and things like that? Is there something that you would suggest for them to kind of shoot for, to kind of align themselves in that trajectory? And like be best set up to have success with brand deals in the future, I guess. Yeah. Really what I'm going to say to you is don't wait. Why are you waiting? 
exciting. Everyone creates arbitrary milestones for themselves of like, oh, once I hit mm. 10,000 subscribers or when I get monetized or when I hit and, and most toxic, like maybe some brand along the way told you like, hey, you know, we have to have 5,000 followers to like, you know, work with us or something. All right. And so what I'm here to say to you is that it does not matter how many followers you have for you to actually start working with brands, because there's so many different ways that you can bring value to those brands. So most brands truly, honestly, have no idea what they're doing with their social media strategy. And you as a creator have so much expertise about what works on different platforms. Like, yeah, hey, maybe you don't have 50,000 followers, but 5,000 followers on TikTok to a brand in your local community. Hey, that's actually pretty interesting. This is one of my favorite tips is like, as a creator, there are so many local brands and businesses that need help. They need people bringing, you know, getting them to come into their brick and mortar store or their restaurant or whatever. What a fun challenge as a creator with 5,000 followers or whatever. Yeah, you're gonna actually need to think about strategies like how to bring people in Nashville into this like Nashville food joint or whatever. But the value that you could bring that brand has nothing to do with how many followers you have. So I think that I what I like to say is that you do not discount, do not look at the number of followers you have as a proxy for your intelligence and your expertise. It has nothing to do with that. Like there are there are lots of people who are very talented photographers or videographers who don't have that many followers, but they're very experienced and professional. And so like, don't look at a brand deal as this very like lofty ambition that only certain creators can do. No, like nothing is preventing you from reaching out to your dream brand and pitching them on a unique. Yeah, maybe the pitch is not, hey, like, you know, I'll post about you on my platform. No, maybe the pitch is like, hey, I noticed that you're only posting once every two weeks on your Instagram or you don't have a presence on YouTube. I can actually create that content for you exclusively. I'll create five, 10, 15 photos, videos for you every single month. Yeah, it's going to be $2,000 a month. And so the, you, you see there, the pitch is not, hey, leverage my organic distribution and leverage my platform. It's no, let me actually bring your brand to the next level on social media. So there's all these different ways that you can help a brand achieve success that have nothing to do with how many followers you have. I love that. That's fantastic advice. Should we bring in um, Vanessa asked a question here. Is it off-putting to ask for a deposit or payment installments? Just curious. No, never at all. I mean, I, you know, pretty much rule of thumb, we'll always ask for 50% a deposit upfront at the net payment terms, Charlie. <laughs> so if the okay, brand's payment, okay. if the brand if the brand's <laughs> payment terms are net 30, we'll just say, okay, you know, 50% upon execution of the agreement at the net terms. So, you know, within 30 days, we'll get half of it. And then 30 days after completion of services, we'll get the remainder. And 85% of the time, the brand's cool with that. That feels to me like something that could make me feel okay about this whole situation. Um, it is probably something I should like push for and, and uh, mm -hmm. be happy with as well. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, sometimes these deals, you know, the activation, the actual publication date will be two, three months from the contract date. Because mm -hmm. especially if it's like, oh, they want to like activate for an early summer or late spring thing. It's like, that's not going to happen for a while, but they're locking you in now. Okay, well, pay me a deposit now. <laughs> you know, like I, I think that's totally reasonable. Great. Okay, that's good. I feel better mm -hmm. about that then. Any last words of advice from you, Justin, about being successful with brand sponsorships before we move on to our next segment? Yeah, I mean... Honestly, I, I think that so much of this has to do with confidence, you know, when it comes to working with brands. And that's actually one of the most surprising things that I found at doing my courses, doing my content. I didn't think that that because I can like teach tactics and strategies and frameworks until I'm blue in the face. But if you are just nervous to hit send mm. on that email, then none of this matters. Right. And so people always ask, like, oh, should you do stuff for free products? I'm, I'm getting these brands asking me to like post about them if I, they send me their free stuff. And normally I'm always of the camp of like you need to be compensated for your work as a creator. But like I don't see there is anything wrong if that's what it takes for you to gain the confidence to get a few repetitions of, under your belt of like understanding the back and forth, like the revisions around the process of like what it's like to work with the brand, even if it's for pre-product in the beginning, 
especially if it's something that you would have bought anyway. I, y'all, I got a free wine fridge recently. I was Ooh. stoked about that. I was like, dude, yeah, $800 wine fridge, send it my way, right? And so all we did was included in our YouTube vlog or whatever, you know, but the key there was that there wasn't a posting requirement. It wasn't like, oh, there's this giant like it was your choice. laundry yeah, list. Yeah. yeah, it was my choice. I did it, you know, yeah, we chose to talk about it, but it's like, I, I think that just like removing this like fear and anxiety around like working with brands and oh, I don't want to screw it up. The reason I say that that's important to get those repetitions is because when that dream brands reaches out, you don't want to screw that up. Right. So you need a little <laughs> bit of like ex experience of like doing this so you can like gain some confidence. I love that. Fantastic advice. OK, so I mean, Vanessa put it in the chat, some fire emojis along with a quote from Justin here. But I think if I was to sum up this episode with an emoji, that would be the one. <laughs> if you want more advice, because obviously Justin is full of it and there's plenty more to learn about being successful with brand sponsorships, creatorwizard.com slash join is the link to Justin's email list where you'll get all that great information. And you actually send out opportunities as well, right, Justin? I do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I literally send out paid sponsorship opportunities in the email for free. So uh, I, you don't have any excuse not to there sign up, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's where you'll find your first sponsorship if you haven't had one yet. That's amazing. Creatorwizard.com slash join. Thank you so much, Justin. Absolutely. Now we're going to do another listener shout out as we like to do near the end of our episodes. Today, I want to tell you about Crystal Profit. Profit is spelt with two Fs and two Ts and Crystal is spelt with a K. It's youtube.com slash C slash Crystal Profit for our audio listeners. Crystal said that recently they hit the milestone of 4,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel, which is very exciting and got to speak at Podcast Movement University. So that's awesome, Crystal. Keep up the great work. And obviously you're doing great things over there on your channel. And Crystal teaches creators how to start, launch, and market their content. So obviously very applicable for any listeners to the show right here. All right, Miguel, what's coming up next week? Oh man, that's right. It's my turn again <laughs> next week. So we are having Issa from our team on the show. She is a very special person. Not only is she also in Florida with me, and she went to high school pretty close to where I went to, so a little place in my heart for her for that. But she's just a very talented, very thoughtful person. What she does for our company is actually she started out as somebody uh, that, that used to do webinars, right? And now she's a full-time writer. She tells stories for ConvertKit, which is a really unique thing for a company to have on staff. And she brings such great user stories to life. So and it's like that shout out you just did, but like times a thousand. Yeah, Issa would have done it much better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we'll all get to meet her next week and we're gonna talk to her specifically about her decision to pursue an MFA even after she got a full-time job and she's very successful doing what she's doing. And she has another master's already as well. <laughs> yeah, I know, she's, she's unstoppable and I can't wait to talk to her next week. So. Join us for that. We go live at 12.30 Eastern time on youtube.com slash convertkit. We'd love to have you. Thanks for your expertise, Justin. Let's uh, put your banner on screen one more time. <laughs> Creatorwizard.com slash join. Thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate all your expertise. And yeah, sorry for, um, as Miguel put in the comments, Justin is full of it is a quote <laughs> that I said, and that is not what I meant, but you all understood me. I'm full of lots of it. Yeah, yeah it's all good. <laughs> By it, it was advice, I think, for the context. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, for context. Although you took it out of context in the chat. <laughs> All right, we're getting <laughs> off track here, as we always do at the end of our episodes. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. 
If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey. Thank you.